Good morning again, everyone, and uh, good morning again, everyone watching, following along, worshiping with us online. Uh, people ask me, they come up and ask me, uh, Pastor, do you, do you believe that God gives blessings? Uh, and I was like, well, yeah, uh, of course I do. I maybe don't talk about it as much as some. There are some past preachers, pastors I know where that's like, that's every week. Um, I maybe don't use that language quite as often. I do believe God gives blessings. And, um, and uh, but, and I know you, you always hate to hear the word, because it always seems like when you say but, like you're nullifying everything before then. I do believe God gives blessings, but not always in the way that it's used, the way that that word is used, uh, or the way that people think of it. I think often we talk about blessings almost like luck, or like fate, you know, I, get a bl I, I was blessed as like, I got lucky. And in the Bible, get, that isn't how it means. It isn't sort of, blessings aren't up to fate. They aren't random. It isn't a thing that happens to some and not to others for no apparent reason. In the Bible, blessings are a gift from God. They're something God chooses to give. And I know we often say things like, I've been really blessed, and I'll, I'll admit I say that to, you know, to give credit to God, and I do want to give credit to God for the ways in which I have been fortunate, right? I'll say I've been blessed to have uh, good parents and a good home, right? Not everyone can say that. I've been blessed to be in a country that's at peace, uh, where I can, you know, I'm blessed to be able to have a job where I don't have to work 100 hours a week like some people do. You know, I give credit to God for those things. Uh, but in some ways, those are kind of random things of fortune. In the Bible, again, blessings aren't really up to fate. They're up to God. And so the phrase you'll see more often is, I give you my blessing. Right? I give you my blessing. Usually when we say that, it's your permission, right? I want to date uh, Emma. And, you, and you, you, know, you go, all right, I give you my blessing after she's been interrogated or something, right? Some parents are into that. I'm not quite that way. But we'll say something like, I give you my approval. Um, I'll give you my endorsement. I'll give you my inheritance. In the Bible, very often, a blessing's an inheritance. For example, that story in Genesis, the classic story in Genesis of Jacob and Esau, right? Old Isaac, he's old, he's losing, he says he's losing his eyesight, and he's in bed, and he's on his deathbed, and uh, his oldest son, Esau, should get the inheritance all the cattle and land and everything. Jacob, the younger one, is not supposed to get the inheritance, but Jacob concocts this plan to swindle his brother out of it. And if you remember, it's kind of one of those more kind of interesting stories of the Bible where uh, it says that Esau has curly hair, so Jacob goes and kills a sheep and then covers himself in sheep hair and comes up to his dad and pretends to be Esau. And his dad, who has spent his entire life herding sheep, is unable in that moment to tell the difference between his son's hair and a sheep. And Jacob, pretending to be Esau, says, Father, give me your blessing. And what, is, what, is, what does Isaac say? What does old man Isaac say? Genesis 27. May God give you the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. 
Let peoples serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers. And may your mother's sons bow down to you. May Esau bow down to you. Uh, Cursed be anyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. Right? All these blessings, but may they be gi- may God give them to you, right? I can give you my blessing, but I'm, it's God still has to choose to give you a blessing. So when we talk about blessings from God, think of it, think of it in terms of an inheritance, as a gift that God freely gives to whoever God chooses to give that to. And who does he choose to give it to? Well, that's a good question. If you had to guess, what would you say? Who does God give a blessing to? Um, the most faithful follower, you know? So-and-so's been really faithful. He's not been, you know, hanging out with Richard Dawkins a lot, you know? I know I always pick on Mr. Dawkins. He's so arrogant and crusty. He just makes an easy target. But, right? Oh, he's, he's, that guy's been a faithful follower, you know? Or the most hardworking, or um, the most morally upright, the best manager of money. I think that's kind of how we would think, right? You know, if I had a big monster inheritance, if I had my own company, right, and this was succession, you know, I'd well, or Yellowstone, right, isn't it any determined, you know, who's going to get the ranch? I'm not giving it to the lazy, I'm not giving it to the lazy one who can't, you know, manage his credit cards. I'm giving the ranch to the guy who knows how to manage money and work hard. Makes sense? And so I think because we think that way, we think God thinks that way. And we've probably been told Blessings are rewards for hard work, frugality, morality, responsibility, all good things that generally work to get better outcomes in our world. But according to the prophets, according to God's prophets, that's not how God gives out blessings. To them, blessings are based on how well the community takes care of one another. Blessings are much more a whole community thing. It isn't like individuals never get blessings. But for the prophets, this is where they lean. Like the prophet Isaiah that we were reading today. Here we go, Isaiah 58. If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of evil, if you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom be like the noonday. There's a list of requirements the prophet gives. You want blessings, and this is you in the plural. You want blessings, this is what you're going to have to do. So what's that list? Remove the yoke, right? Take away oppression, uh, debt slavery, economic slavery, injustice. Stop pointing the finger, right? Judgment, accusation. Stop spreading evil. Gossip, slander, you know, power clicks, Twitter. I know not everyone's on Twitter. And I know not everything on Twitter is bad. But some is. Give your food to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted. So so take care of the hurt, the wounded, the sick. That's God's list. That's the list God is laying in front of his people and saying, this will be how I decide whether I give out blessings. So you got to kind of think of God a little bit more like a one-person scholarship committee, sitting there going, hmm, let's see, what did you do? Uh, you know, 
well, let's see, you're pretty good at avoiding, you know, some of these vices, but you spread lies around church. I'm not sure about that. It's like God's doing a whole community evaluation, and he's looking at the community as a whole, as a country as a whole, and, and they're complaining. The people of God are complaining that they're not getting the prosperity that they thought they had, that was coming their way. You see, in the context of this one, the context of this part of the book of Isaiah is that the people of God have been in Babylon in slavery for 75 years. So they clearly feel like, yes, we screwed up, we got punished, we've been suffering for 75 years. Then during those years, then God sent prophets to say, hey, you know, I'm going to deliver you back, I'm going to bring you back to Jerusalem, bring you back to the promised land, I'm going to rebuild your cities, it'll be wonderful, it'll be great. And so then it happens, the people get to come back, they go back to the city, and they look around, and it's still in rubble, the temple's still destroyed, half the infrastructure's gone, the fields aren't plowed well, and they're like, wow, um, God, what happened to all that prosperity you promised us? You know, we did our time, man, we did our time. You know that feeling you get when you feel like you've done the right thing? You know, I did the right thing, I paid my dues, you know, and there should be prosperity coming my way. God, I went through hell to get here, I went through Babylon, now I want my reward. You know, and God is, has to send the prophet in to go, okay, let's re-clarify this a little bit. Yes. You did do your time. Your punishment's over. That's why I sent you home. But, you know, God's blessings are not a reward that you are entitled to. They aren't wages you earn. They're God's to give and God's to take away. And yes, you've been through a lot, right? But that's not how this works. You're not entitled to God's blessings, but, and this is a good but, if you, as a country, as a people, do these things that I tell you to, this five-point list, then I will choose to give you peace and prosperity. And those things about what you do are about how I tell you take care of the needy and the powerless among you. So you think about it. Let me put this in another context here. Think about it, you're in a family. And you think about what's going, what makes a healthy family that produces people who grow up to be healthy, happy people. What, what does that? You know, is it a family where everybody kind of takes advantage of everybody else? Is it one that's full of gossip and backstabbing? Is it one where they leave people hungry when they need it? Is it one, a family where the ethos is kick them when they're down? Is that going to produce healthy people? Is that going to make happy children? Or is there going to be dysfunction all around? I mean, I've run into parents who talk that way. You know? I grew up, some of my classmates had parents, they totally talked this way, you know? They were like, son, it's a cruel world out there. You know, you get yours. Take no prisoners. Fight back. If they hit you, hit them twice as hard. Never apologize. Get what's yours. Climb that ladder. You know, never surrender. You know, don't hang out with losers. I'm like, wow. How, do, how kind of, that, that's a good way to make nice people, huh? They weren't very nice to me, those guys, I'll tell you that. 
So then I prayed for God to send fire down upon them. <laughs> and God did not grant my blessing. Or, what if you had a family that did those things that Isaiah talks about, you know, that encourages people to be who God made them to be, that listens and speaks well of others, that picks people up when they're down, that spends time as a family feeding the hungry and taking care of the old and the sick. I guarantee you the second one's going to do better. And not just for the sick, but for the people who do it. God will bless those communities that take care of the least among them and tend to withhold those blessings from those that are cruel. Take this home a little bit more. Give another context here. Could you say that the prosperity of a country or community, if you read the prophets, is based on how they take care of the poor, the hungry, the needy? About whether as a culture we teach compassion for those at the bottom, or whether we teach dog-eat-dog, claw your way to the top, you win at all costs, screw them. I would say so. I think that's part of what the prophets are saying. Prophets point out all the time that the, that the countries they were in, the southern kingdom, the northern kingdom, that they usually had this very small elite that did very well, had tons of wealth and had big, beautiful houses and lots of luxuries, and God is never impressed by that. God always sends the prophets and says, okay, you got your big house, your nice luxuries, you built a fancy temple, but you got hungry people gathered around it. You know, you got to fix how you're doing things here. I'm not impressed. Not impressed by your sacrifices. Take care of the poor. Then I'll reward you. But if you don't, usually then there's an invading army and wrath and wrath and wrath, right? That's how the prophets work. They like their wrath. So yeah, in the prophets, God withholds blessings from nations that are cruel to the poor and rewards those that are compassionate. Give another context. What about churches? Does the same apply? Imagine a congregation, you do the things that Isaiah talks about. You follow the Isaiah five-point plan. In the 90s, everyone in church had a five-point plan, right? All these books had these books. Five points to a, a bigger church. It was amazing how none of them ever talked it, quite like Isaiah did. The five-point, your five-point plan. I need to get one of those little mics again, you know? The five-point plan where you can get growth. Have you thought about this now? You only need to buy my... I have my book for sale in the, in the lobby. <laughs> Remove the yoke from among you. Stop pointing the finger. <laughs> Stop spreading evil. Give food to the hungry. Satisfy the afflicted, and then God will bless you. Right? You always gotta, they always got to crouch down. I never figure why they're always crouching down. You're like high up on a stage. Anyways... Will God bless the church that follows God's ways? i got to believe so. This is why I think we have to start changing our thinking in large part as Christians from focusing so much on individual reward and think a little bit more community thinking. Not that we aren't individuals and that God doesn't love us and care for us as individuals. God's blessings, though, tend to be kind of collectively judged and collectively distributed. So if we want to, as a church, as individuals in a church sharing in God's blessings, maybe there's a little bit more, we need to do this together, and we're in this together. You know, we need to think a little bit more of my happiness is your happiness, and 
Your well-being is my well-being, that sort of thing. I, as an individual believer in Christ, will experience more blessings in my life when I make sure that others have a chance to experience God's blessings too. I am better when we are better. I'm blessed when we are blessed. My life is better when the people I'm around with have better lives, right? This is not a ladder to the top by stepping on others. If anything, if you do Jesus' way, the ladder, the ladder goes the opposite, right? He's like, you gain by giving, you live by dying, you grow by sacrificing. That's Jesus' talk. So when I sit down in the morning to do my devotions, which I don't try to do at home because you can't sit down at my house first thing in the morning and do devotions. I, I, I would sit and try to meditate and I'd hear, you know, the odd squad in the back of my mind. What was it this morning? Battle bots? You can't do devotions while they're watching robots blow each other up. But when I do get to do devotions, I sit down and I think to myself about how I've been blessed. I will thank God for the ways that the good things that I've had. I will give God credit for that. I will thank God for having a good family, for good health, for the relationships, for this congregation. I'm fortunate in many ways. I don't want to discount that. It certainly makes me feel more blessed. But I know that to grow those things, to nurture a blessed life, to be a blessed family and a blessed church, one where God will decide to give blessings to, I will need to not find ways, I'll need to find ways to use what I have to lift others up. And that will be the way that we all move forward. Blessed by God together. Amen.